If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 is our text. This morning is our second installment of our consideration of this verse of Scripture, this commandment, the tenth of the Decalogue. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, the word of the Lord. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. The word of the Lord. Of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We pray that you would be so pleased to bless the reading and the hearing of it. As we look into your word this morning, Father, we pray that you would be so pleased to bless our time together this morning. We, we fully acknowledge that without your enabling grace, that our time together this morning um, would not be worthwhile nothing good would come out of it. And so we look to you to bless our time together this morning. We pray that the worship that is offered to you this day would be uh, worship that is pleasing to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be so pleased to, to help us to rest our attention wholly upon all that you have so graciously prepared for us this morning. Uh, help us to Set aside the things that have unfolded this past week or even this morning. Help us to set aside our afternoon schedules, our upcoming week, those things that tend to preoccupy and call for our attention. Help us to set these things aside so that we may wholly devote our attention wholly upon what you have so graciously provided for us, for our consideration this morning. Jesus, we pray that you would be honored today, this morning. We pray that you would be so pleased to bless thy servant's work for your honor and glory, for the church's good. We pray that if there be anyone here this morning who has not yet begun to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. We pray, Lord, that you as the one and only mediator between God and man, that you would that you would look to the Father and, and plead to the Father to grant them saving faith in you. So lead and guide as only you can, Father. May you be honored in all that is said and done. In your holy name we pray. Amen. And so this morning, once again, we're given the wonderful opportunity 
to consider the last imperative of the Ten Commandments. As I thought about how we would start our time together this morning, this passage of Holy Scripture came to mind. Listen carefully as I read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Listen carefully as I read this passage of Holy Scripture. The Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Beloved, God's word is reasonable because God is reasonable. All that he asks of his people is reasonable. There is not one single imperative of sacred scripture that is outrageous. There is not one single teaching from Genesis to to the revelation of Jesus Christ that is outlandish. Beloved, the Christian faith is hands down a reasonable faith. Turning from our unbelief and looking to the one and only Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we may be reconciled to God is a reasonable command. It is a reasonable thing to do. Turning from our sins to the Lord so that we may be washed white as snow is not outrageous. When considering sin's consequences and that God in Christ, and, and, and all that God in Christ has done for sinners, turning from our sins so that we may be forgiven, so that we may be washed white as snow, is a reasonable thing to do. God has given us his word so that we may not only know our need to be reconciled to him, but also after having been reconciled, know how we ought to be living out our communion with him. That is our Christian faith. This brings us to the 10th commandment. So we're going to consider the Westminster Larger Catechism's 148th question and answer regarding the sins forbidden in the 10th commandment. Last week we considered what the 10th commandment requires. This morning we're going to consider the sins forbidden by the 10th commandment. So let us look to Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Read our text and look to the Lord once again in prayer. The word of the Lord. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we look to you in prayer, asking for your blessings upon our time together this morning. In your name we pray, amen. And so what are the sins forbidden by the 10th commandment? The catechism asks. The answer it provides is as follows. 
The sins forbidden in the 10th commandment are discontentment with one's own estate, envying, and grieving at the good of our neighbor together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. Again, the sins forbidden in the 10th commandment are discontentment with one's own estate, envying, and grieving at the good of our neighbor together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. And so the 10th commandment requires our contentment, which means that discontentment, obviously, is forbidden. And so, beloved, whether one chooses to acknowledge it or not, the Bible teaches God's absolute sovereignty. The Bible teaches the absolute sovereignty of God. It is as our beloved late pastor, R.C. Sproul, once said, if there is one single molecule in the universe running around loose, totally free of God's sovereignty, then we have no guarantee that a single promise of God will ever be fulfilled. God is absolutely sovereign over all of his creation, over all of creation. And so when God's people grumble or complain about life, they are in fact showing dissatisfaction with the providential care that God is providing for them. I mean, sure, there are legitimate reasons to be upset or dissatisfied with the position or circumstances we may find ourselves in on an occasion. When we ignore God's word and choose to do life our own way, and as a result of our rebellion, we find ourselves in a bad spot or in a difficult position because of our sinful behavior, we have very good reason and, and, and a justifiable reason to be con- discontent. We do. When we choose to go our own way and as a result find life to be difficult, we have good reason to be dissatisfied, not with God, but to be dissatisfied with ourselves. To be unhappy, not with him, but to be unhappy with ourselves. I mean, sure, the Lord God Almighty is the master of sin's consequences, but that doesn't give reason to be disgruntled toward him. I mean, he's warned us in and through the sacred scripture that if we choose a pathway of disobedience, that things will simply not go well for us. He's warned us over and over and over again throughout the pages of Holy Scripture. We are continually told, continually uh, warned that if we choose to go our own way, that things will not go well for us. And sure, we can hang on to the promise of Romans 8, 28, that you know, uh, you know, God is, is, is working all things together uh, uh, for the good of those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And yes, that does include even our rebellion. God does use our rebellious acts, our sin, for our good. He does manage them in such a way that brings out good 
that, does, that he does it in such a way that has our best interest in mind. And so even in, even in that situation, you know, um, you know, good does come from it. But, but going through that process, you know, rebelling against God, suffering the consequences, uh, 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 eventually being brought to, to, to humble ourselves and bend the knee and finally confess our sins and finally have the weight of God's disciplinary hand off of, our, of, of ourselves, none of that is pleasurable to go through. But God works it all for our good. Amen? He really does. When we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, when we are making faithful prop, when we are faithfully making proper application of God's word as we are continually confessing and repenting of all known sin, however, the Lord God Almighty chooses to reward us, however he chooses to reward us for our faithfulness, we need to be completely content with that and with him. It is as the late Pastor Charles Stanley so often has said, he's, he's so often said throughout his entirety of his ministry, if there was one quote, I believe, that would characterize his ministry, his entire ministry, it is this quote. He so often said, obey God and leave the consequences to him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. And so, beloved, we need not fret over the consequences of our obedience to God because he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. James, the brother of Jesus, what does he say in, in chapter 1, verse 16 through 17 of his epistle? There he says, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. And so everything that we receive from our Heavenly Father is a good gift. It is a good thing. It is a good gift. And so that means that, that God's providential care over us is good. He only does good to us. All that he does is good. God is good. God is just. God is faithful. God keeps his promises. He is not a man that he should lie. Consider David's. David's testimony. In Psalm 23, verse 6. There he says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David speaking from experience. And then David also says in the Psalms, he says, I've been, I've been young and now I am old and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. So God is good. He provides for us. He takes care of his own. And so in light of all that, do we really have a justifiable reason to be dissatisfied with God's providence? Do we really have a justifiable reason to be dissatisfied with God's providence, with him? With him? And so what are the sins forbidden in the 10th commandment? 
the sins forbidden in the Tenth Commandment are discontentment with our own estate, envying and grieving at the good of our neighbor, together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. And so it forbids discontentment with our own estate, envying, grieving at the good of our neighbor, together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. Beloved, there was a time when there was two professing Christians. One possessed a very close relationship with God and Christ. The Lord graciously used this person's life experiences to, to draw him into not only a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, but also into a very trusting relationship with him. And as a result, unlike before, when life's challenges find their way into this person's life, he or she can remain calm and or confident in the sovereignty of God because he understood, he or she understood the promise of Romans 8.28, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. There was another person, another professing Christian, who didn't profess, or who didn't profess, who didn't possess the close, confident relationship with God and Christ the other one had. And it was evident to this person because they were watching them for a period of time and had witnessed the confidence in Christ through various challenging situations. But unfortunately, for this dear believer in Christ, this dear believer became envious and grieved over the fact that they did, that, that they did not possess the close, confident relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that this other Christian had. And so unfortunately, their envy and their grief led them to an attempt to rob this person of their close and confident relationship with God and Christ. That's what the 10th commandment forbids. Envying, grieving at the good of our neighbor, together with all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. Listen to what one author has written concerning the sin of envy. Listen very carefully what this author writes. Envying means selfish and unfriendly grudging in view of what another possesses or enjoys. It means that if we do not have the same blessings as our neighbor, we are not willing for him to have them either. If our neighbor has blessings that God has not given to us, we sinfully wish that our neighbor did not have these good things either. Envy is wrong because it proceeds from sinful selfishness. The person who is really unselfish cannot be envious at the same time. And so at the very heart of envy is this. If I can't, if I can't have what the other person has, that person can't have it either. And so I'm going to work at robbing that person from having that. That's what envy is. And that is forbidden by the 10th commandment. 
You know what the cure for envy is? For, for being envious? You know what the cure for that is? I'll give you one scripture. I mean, there's a, the scripture speaks of it all over, but I'll give you one scripture to memorize. The cure for, be, for, the cure for envy. Here's your prescription. Here's the prescription. Here's the Lord's prescription for the cure of envy. But first, before we do that, we need to keep this in mind. Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need to be careful of our hearts. They will lead us to being envy. But the cure for envy, delight yourself in the Lord, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take your eyes off of what other people have, Take your attention off of what, what's going on in other people's lives and center focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Delight in Him. He is our all in all. He is our everything. He is our righteous. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, I believe it is, He is our, our righteousness, our holiness, our wisdom. We know that He is our salvation. He is our strong tower in a time of trouble. He is our all in all. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so again, Jeremiah 17, 9, our hearts are incomprehensibly deceitful and wicked. If we are not careful, we will find our, ourselves envious and grieving over the blessings of God that have fallen upon our neighbor. If we are not careful, we could find ourselves working to attempt to deprive our neighbor of the blessings of God that, has, that he has so graciously poured out upon them. And if we are not careful, we will find ourselves constantly preoccupied thinking of ways that we could rob others of the blessings of God that we desire for ourselves. Both our hearts and minds, beloved, become a slave of sin when we allow ourselves to become envious and grieved over the blessings of God upon other people. And so once again, when it comes to governing our life, with the Holy Scripture. More specifically, when it comes to observing by God's enabling grace, the Decalogue, when it comes to obeying the Tenth Commandment, we must learn to lean hard and heavy upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the enabling grace to continually put to death the sin of discontentment as we prayerfully practice being content with God's providential care. God is intimately involved in each and every one of our lives. He is intimately involved. He is intimately acquainted with every aspect of our lives. There isn't anything that concerns us 
that he hasn't taken notice of. He knows it all. And so, beloved, as we properly noted last week, from the moment we open our eyes in the morning to the moment we close them and sleep in the evening, this world immerses us. It showers us with marketing that encourages or attempts to move us to being discontented with God's providence. They pour billions of dollars into marketing. I mean, think about it. There are profits to be made. There are shareholders to satisfy. There are products to be sold. So billions and billions upon billions of dollars are poured into marketing research to determine how to convince the general public of their need of their latest product. They spend billions of dollars of research and time in learning how to move the general public into thinking they need this. They need this. Marketing has become such a powerful tool in the hands of large corporations because they have the means to learn what works. They have the means to determine how to manipulate people into thinking that if, that if they buy their latest product, that life would be so much more delightful. If you just buy this latest, newest, most shiny object, life would be so much more delightful for you if you just buy this new thing. When we consider social media, I mean, just consider Facebook for a moment. Why is, is Facebook really free? It really isn't. They sell data of its users to corporations, to companies, so they know how to market to you. Facebook itself has poured millions upon millions of dollars into learning how to manipulate its users to get the most screen time from its people because they have profits to be made. They have products to be sold. People unknowingly are being manipulated like puppets. And so, beloved, be wise. Be wise to that. And again, the most effective way to fight back discontentment, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. You shall not cover your neighbor's house, nor shall you cover your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've so graciously given to us this morning to consider your word. Father, help us. Help us to live lives that honor you. Help us to be satisfied. Help us to delight. Help us to rejoice. Help us to be content. 
with your providential care of us. Help us to be wise, Lord. And help us to be, to be vigilant, to not allow the sin of contentment to grab hold of our hearts. Father, we do pray once again if anyone here this morning has not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ or anyone listening to this message, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And again, Lord, we do pray that as God's people that we would always be found fully satisfied, always delighting, always rejoicing in all that we have in our beloved Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, in whose, in whose name we live and move and have our being. Amen.